Hello and welcome to the In Pencil Podcast. My name's Jess. And I'm Adam. And today we're going to talk about religion, which is everyone's favorite topic. Uh, sitting around a dinner table and, uh, you know, you feel like starting a fight, you bring up either religion or politics. So we're going to do just that. What better way to start our first episode than uh, having controversial opinions about a controversial topic? It sounds <laughs> like it's the best way to go. So was, I was driving home. Uh, from work today and I was listening to uh, Kevin Max he has a song called AWOL have you heard it? I have not, is this like new Kevin Max? it's relatively new, I'd say it's probably um, I think the album is called AWOL actually, a couple years ago but anyway I say as if I've listened to anything of his since Stereotype B if you don't know who Kevin Max is um Kevin Max is one third of the Christian supergroup known as DC Talk. Uh, supergroup um, actually means something else, I believe. Well, they're they're retroactively a supergroup. Oh, think, okay. right. I guess. So like, I guess it's true. They're three different. Yeah, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, they're retroactively a super. They didn't start as a supergroup. They started out as a rap group, and then they transitioned into like a pop rock group. And then it's just like a normal rock group in their last album, Supernatural, right? Yeah, that was yeah, that's pretty much soft rock more like so it felt like for the most part. Yeah. What are we talking about? So anyway, Kevin Max. Um <laughs> years later, deep into his solo career, uh, this song AWOL, he said uh something to the effect of religion kills, but Jesus saves. I think that was the lyric, roughly. And I was like, hmm, I'm coming home to talk about a podcast about religion and, you know, positives and negatives or whatever. And hearing that lyric, I was like, it gave me a little bit to think about. I mean, what do you, I mean, at this point in my, I don't really want to talk about us in particular in this podcast, but I guess it is worth bringing up that, like, at this point in my spiritual journey, more or less, I'm quoting here, I'm air quoting. But, Which uh, is great for a podcast to do well, visual cues. So we can see each other, so we know what we're talking about, and, you know, it's fine. But anyway, at this point, I think I'm okay with saying, like, Jesus is still... Uh, a friend of Je- yours? Jesus <laughs> Jesus is still all right with me, to still quote, quote DC Talk. And, uh, and, you know, Jesus is my homeboy. We hang out together on the weekends. We barbecue, you know. Me and Jesus and Buddha, Muhammad, you know, occasionally Joseph Smith will show up and we'll be like, what are you doing here? And he'll be like, I'm one of you guys. And I'll be like, yeah, okay, cool. But anyway. Just sit at the kids' table. Yeah, Jesus, uh, yeah, exactly. Joseph Smith can sit at the kids' table. Um, but anyway, Jesus is cool, but the religion that is founded and is loosely based on him, uh, I'm not particularly a fan of at this point let's talk about why shall we i guess i want to get into my ideas behind this particular topic was how to start a religion and and how religions are started and what they do and what they do right and what they do wrong uh and i think we're going to get a lot of what they do wrong right i think we'll get into a lot of that too but um and there are some things that do right 
Yeah, I don't want to make this all pessimistic. Uh, no, I'm trying, absolutely not. I'm trying to be very optimistic because there are a lot of things that religions have done right. I remember years ago, as as I think we talked about in episode zero, which is a weird thing to actually have out into the public sphere, but hey, we did because that's who we are. Uh, as we talked about in episode zero, um, we both come from religious studies backgrounds, uh, pretty well-versed in religious studies uh, from several different schools, I guess. I actually don't know where you got all your degrees from, so I'm just guessing at least mm-hmm. three different schools. You went to a particular school for your bachelor's, and then you went to a different school for your master's and then i went to a different school for my bachelor's and then i went to the same school that you went to for your bachelor's for my master's so i guess yeah three different schools yeah three different schools and uh several different perspectives because of the the time difference between uh, my bachelor and your master's was several years Mm -hmm. because you because i guess you started your bachelor after i finished my master's right yeah so it's it's three different schools, but by the time you were at the your master's school, there's probably a lot of changed at that school. That mean, it meant it was a lot different than the experience I got. Probably, and we're being really cryptic right now, not to give away any details because, you know, reasons. Yeah, there but, there are not many people who've done the past necessarily we've taken you'll find us and you, then you'll get our social security numbers and then you'll pretend to be us and start your own podcast and we just don't want that type of or thing. worse they'll start their own religion and name after us <laughs> oh golly justism <laughs> yes, adamanity yeah so, that'd be a cool name for a religion adamanity although it kind of sounds like adam ant which is like um, you know, the old band, Adam Ant. It's everything that relates back to music for us. You don't know Adam Ant? Adam Ant? Yeah, you don't know that? No. All right, do your research. I have to do my research. Right. So, of course, as we know, Adam is actually named after the first human. Um, this is not your, uh, his, this is not a religion 101 class, and there will be a paper due at the end of the semester where you must Actually, do. But if you want to submit a paper, please please do. That'd be interesting. Yes, we might good. share it. <laughs> uh, what is what is our email? We probably should say that sometime. Uh, it's Adam and or Jess, respectively, at inpencil.live, which is our little website that we've created and that I've created for us. So, so yes, please feel free to submit your uh, 12 to 15 page paper. That's counting uh, your bibliography or works cited page, however mm-hmm. you want to call it. That's not going over. After 15 pages, that should be it. Right. I always needed that in school where they're like, no more than 15 pages, and people would do like 19 and 20 pages, and they would get the credit for it. And mm-hmm. I always thought you should get the same amount of credit for a four-page terrible paper if you went wow. over because you clearly could not follow instructions. You are harsh. You are harsh. Oh yeah, never, I would be. Never mind the the content of said paper. It, that that's irrelevant. The rules, the the stickler for rules over here. No, because if I had a class that had like thirty to forty people in it, and I said no more than fifteen pages, and people were putting more than fifteen pages, uh, that would be too much. I mm. don't know who did it, but I've heard of professors who would literally 
count out the number of the maximum and rip every page off after that and throw it away and only count those first quote unquote 15. I say 15 because I had to write a lot of no more than 15 page papers. Mm. That was like our standard because I guess that was the most that they wanted to read more than one time per semester. Right. So, yeah, I think that professors actually like read every paper or do you think they just kind of skim them and say, eh, okay. I think they skim them. I've had, well, one of these was in high school where I had, I literally out. So I can't really talk about, I don't have college examples. I do have one actually. I'll get to that. But in high school, I wrote, uh, I was writing this paper for a class, and I stated this thing, though they don't define what it is, you can guess it means something like this. And then on the next page, that was the bottom one page, on the top of the next page, I went on to talk about it, and my teacher wrote to the side, yeah, but what is this? Actually Hmm. asked the thing that I'd answered on the previous page. Right, right. you're not reading this. Because, and then yeah. I, I came up with a thesis in grad school, actually, and I wrote it out. And then I went on to find it. And my teacher wrote. Now, I don't know if she wrote this beforehand. My professor, I should say. She might have written this before she had read the rest of it. She's like, what are you, where are you going with this or something? And I was like, it's literally the next paragraph. Right. Or wow. I'll tell you. So I'm like, I'm guessing for her, she might have written that beforehand just as a a thought later of or why yeah but i did have one teacher in high school who uh literally did not read the paragraph where i defined something and then took points off from me for on the next page because i started going in talking about the thing that i've already defined because i didn't define it yeah so if you're a teacher or a professor or an instructor or a facilitator of some degree out there and you're you know responsible for this sort of thing have some scholastic integrity and actually like uphold your end of the bargain because you know all of us students and and you know members of your class or whatever we're we're out here you know we're busting our ass we're trying to get this stuff done we have a hundred percent you know pure intentions and pure scholarly integrity so you should have the same you know none of us cheat on our papers none of us forget to cite things or just steal shit from other places at all that never ever ever happens have some scholastic integrity i digress from my rant how's that i've never written uh, a paper that was like 12 pages where the last two pages were basically a sermon never done that either <laughs> just to fluff it out just to hit the word limit or the infamous, I don't know how many of you did this, uh, where you had to have one-inch margins. Yeah. And I would put it 1.1-inch margins. Wow. Uh, fill it out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because 1.5-inch 1. 1. was like standard Word back in the day. And right. they would always ask for one-inch margins, which I think is standard on Word these days. But one, I would always make it to 1.1-inch. I didn't always do this, but I did this sometime. And sometimes if my paper was over, I'd get a 0.9 inch just mm-hmm. to like help it. Uh, and the reason I do that is because nobody's going to be looking at a ruler and be like 1.1 inch. That is like, I don't know how many centimeters, like maybe a centimeter. They're like, yeah, that's close enough. I hold in my hand a book by Rabbi Rami Shapiro. Um, I'm going to be one- honest here. I thought that said Ben Shapiro at first. 
No, it's it's like not Ben Shapiro. Not ben Shapiro. This is Rami Shapiro, completely different person, and actually on the opposite end of the political spectrum. He wrote this book called Holy Rascals, and he's one of my favorite scholars in the field. In this book, there's a little bit of an excerpt, and I wanted to read it. Just a um, little bit of an excerpt. It's a little bit. Look, it's less than half a page. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's I a wanted to read it real quick. And um, so in this section, he's talking about like. Um, basically how you can upset intentionally upset the normal um i guess flow of a religious minded person i guess so he says to put a uh a card uh okay i'll read it to you one of the simplest hacks you can do is print up small cards with the following message on them and slip them into sacred texts and theology books in bookstores religious institutions Hotels, hospitals, libraries, etc. And the card is supposed to say something like this. This book contains material on God. God is a matter of belief. Beliefs cannot be proven, and the beliefs promoted in this book are only some among many. Read this book critically and with an open mind. If it leads you to living a life more justly and compassionately, learn from it. If not, move on. So I really like that because it gets to the heart of what religion is supposed to be about, at least in my in my viewpoint, um, which is about um, making you a or helping you or giving you tools to be a better person, to be more kind, to be more compassionate, to be more loving. And I think that <laughs> I think that the uh, trajectory that most religious institutions have gone down. Uh, leads people in the opposite direction where they're more exclusive, um, more um, based on making others of people. So if you're not in our group, then you are an other and we demonize that and we think that you um, you don't belong, you're probably going to hell if there is such a thing in that particular religion. Um, you know, you're, you are you are an outsider and we are the insiders. And that's the, the issue. That's my biggest issue, I think, with, with modern institutional religion is that it does that. And, uh, and I, don't think, I don't think there really is a way out of that if you institutionalize or if you somehow make, a, make an organization out of a belief system. It seems like that those two things, to have to have a, a faith or a religion that is uh, loving and caring and compassionate and giving and all these sort of you know good qualities, uh, you can't have that and be a um, profit-seeking um, evangelical body. Does that make sense? I find it fascinating when you talk about the insider outsider that works with almost anything too. anything organized is like that sports allegiances. Yeah. uh, Musical allegiances, political belief systems. It's all about control insider outsider control of an idea. Mm -hmm. Religion may have been the first one to do it as big as they did it because let's face it, there are, 
2.2 billion-ish Christians in the world. I think Mm. I could be off on those numbers. And there are like 1.7 billion Muslims. So over half the world is one of two religions. Another large portion of that is Hindu. Another large portion is Buddhist. Another smaller portion is Taoist or Sikh or some other um, tribal religion. Religion did it better than any other group did because the Roman Empire or the Ottoman Empire were these in-crowds, right? And they never got as big. Uh, The biggest sports team in the world might be Real Madrid, Mm -hmm. the most famous in the world, or the worth the most, I think is like Real Madrid or the Dallas Cowboys. They're usually up there. Maybe Manchester United or Liverpool, if you... Those are like the major sports teams, and they don't even compare to it. And they're all about insider, because if you're a Cowboys fan, then you have to hate the the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And if you're a Real Madrid fan, you have to hate... I don't actually know who Real Madrid faces. <laughs> if you're Liverpool... Excuse me. If you're Liverpool, you have to hate uh, Manchester United, who hates Man City, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I do know a little bit about uh, soccer in uh, England. It Football. actually blasphemy yeah who cares soccer <laughs> actually comes from england the english people invented the word soccer to refer to football uh so they invented the word we just latched on to it it's just so yeah fair they also invented soccer they invented football they called it association football then they shortened association football to soccer then the Americans took it and they and the English stopped using it, but they invented both terms. So we just used one because we like those old English people who used to say soccer 200 years ago. Actually don't know how old soccer is. I do know it was invented in England, the version that they play now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, like all these other places have insider outsider, like the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, the uh, Green Party in the U.S., uh, the Whigs, the Tories, uh, communists, none of these compare in the size mm-hmm. as a lot of some of the world religions. Who, So they are the biggest insider-outsider, kind of weird, the biggest insider group. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought that's, that's an interesting way of looking at it, about making that insider-outsider. When you make a group for people— to join together in, in a connection, which is what religion does really well. And to some extent, like politics, football, football, sports, and football specifically, I guess, and whichever mm. football you prefer. <laughs> I prefer uh, Australian rules. That's a joke. I don't know anything about Australian rules football. But whenever you make an insider group, you have to have something you're going against. Right. Unless you make your religion purely open, which is very hard to do, and most major religions can't do it. Mm -hmm. They have to say what separates them from someone else. And whenever you make an insider-outsider, you always have to say why the other person is wrong, why the other team is wrong. Right. I want to use this sports uh, terminology here because I think it really shows it from a different perspective when you say Christianity versus Islam. It's my team versus Mm -hmm. your team right it's jesus versus muhammad the sunday 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 and it's like we're going to have this big battle of who can pray the hardest 
And that's kind of what it feels like. And it's about, yeah, join our team, cheer for our team, buy our team memorabilia and mm. merchandise and support our team coaches and our mm. team players, the missionaries that are getting out there and gathering more people to our team and like and subscribe. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what we're doing. And like we and subscribe have to, to the Holy Bible. And you can't do that. You can't say, I want everyone to play nice and have fun. That's great. But if you're not going to get a lot of people because you need something to fight against. Right. And devil isn't strong enough to fight against. No. For a lot of people. Yeah. Not whenever there are so many, there, there are so many other things that are more visible and that could take priority over evil or the devil, like the concept of evil, whatever that means. Um, Yeah. When, why would you why would you want to just have a spiritual war against um universal negativity or you know perceived evil when you can have an actual war like a a kinetic conflict with people who adamantly disagree with everything that you believe like it's way easier to just have that be demonized than have the the concept of evil be demonized um I mean, yeah, because the concept of evil is so intangible. Right. right. But if you see someone who is Islamic or someone who is Hindu or someone who is Buddhist or someone who is... Different. Yeah. In some way. Other. Somebody who's otherized. Then you can see that person physically and that's the bad guy. Right. Not this metaphysical concept of satan who is both always around you and also in hell and also in heaven mm-hmm. arguing with god or something right. like i don't know like where job. you yeah yeah making bets on your on your on your loyalty like he did with job yeah yeah and <laughs> just the idea we could get into is that the new testament satan character or is that a different person uh that's a yeah. different question but not for today you have God and you have Jesus and you have uh, the devil and you have the saints and we're coming at it both from a very Christian perspective because that's what we grew up and that's what's very common around uh, these parks and by these parks I mean the world right <laughs> let's just face it especially the Western world yeah which is funny because Christianity is an Eastern religion yes and westernized right um. We take it over like it's our job to take it on. And another funny part about Christianity and uh, about the Bible, especially because everybody's in America, most of the people who are promoting Christianity are white, right? That's a very it's a very white religion because it come it got famous in a very white part of the world in mm-hmm. Europe. Right? Sure. So, um, not saying that people who are of other races aren't Christians, but a lot of people who are talking about the othering that I see are white. Mm -hmm. And white people are in the Bible, and they're always the bad guys. Right. They don't show up to the New Testament, and they kill Jesus, and then they disappear. Mm -hmm. They're the bad guys. Yeah. Everybody who's good is brown or black in the entire Bible. And it's interesting when we talk about uh, especially Christianity and the Bible being used for white supremacy. And it's like, you're reading a different Bible because white, white people aren't the supreme people in the Bible. 
There is no white supremacy in the Bible that you can actually use. You cannot find it unless you just twist who everybody is in the Bible. Right. You have to make Jesus blue-eyed. Right. And, they, and we do. We and they easily do. can make him. Yeah. I say we because I've been a part of that too in the past. And I still, I guess, in some ways, probably still perpetuate it. So why do, why do we, why did we create this thing, uh, religion? Why does this exist? Um, and there's some questions. God. Obviously. God yeah. created the heavens and earth, so we worship God, obviously. Yes. But on a more practical level, what purpose does religion serve in our life? Um, not our life as individuals, but our lives as, as humans. Um, so I guess there are some questions that I think religion attempts to answer or um, strives to answer. And those are, who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? And what happens when I die? And then potentially, what is the meaning of life? Like maybe those those five questions, I think, boil down the point of what religion is is, is made for. Um, and religion is absolutely a, a human-generated concept um, in one form or another. It may be inspired by, by supernatural and metaphysical occurrences, but it's, certain, it's definitely a human interpretation of those, those occurrences if they, you know, if they were real to begin with. Yeah, I think uh, those were five really good questions. I always want to boil it down to like one question, and I'm not really good at doing that because I want everything just to be one simple thing. And I guess if I boiled it down to one question, it'd be why. So why or or yeah, meaning like meaning yeah. But I think your five questions probably are uh, the most like if you take specific specificities or however you say that and you generalize it all the way up you get your five questions of right. who what when where how why and when so if you if you begin to think about those questions and then um you're born in i don't know afghanistan or baghdad or saudi arabia the answers that are going to be perpetuated onto you by society, by your family, by the culture that you're growing up in, are going to be completely different than the answers that are that than the answers that are given to you um, in a Protestant Baptist town in Alabama or Tennessee. Those answers are going to be completely different. So cargo cults. One of the things talking about like it doesn't where you come from will define your religion. Cargo cult. Um, is like, I guess, a very true sense of that since some of them, I know, I don't know much about them. I think, Adam, you might have a little bit more knowledge about cargo cults than I do. Uh, having spent more time in Asia than I have since you've spent time in Asia, and I have not. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I I'm, think not, I'm not an expert on, uh, Indo-Pacific Islanders faiths. Um, so cargo cults are basically, um, if you can imagine um, World War II, you know, when the U.S. island hopping, you know, from like Papua New Guinea up to Japan or whatever. So imagine like you're 
an Islander and you've never been exposed to anything in the Western world, you're part of a tribal culture, no technology, you know, you live off the land, you've never seen um, anything remotely, uh, you know, technological or advanced or anything at all. White people, you know, nothing. You've never seen, never had any exposure to the outside world. Then all of a sudden, um, this giant machine lands on your island one day, comes in, drops off water and food, and these people come in and they have all this, these resources and this technology and all this fancy stuff. And they come in and they give you water and you become acquainted with them. And then one day they just leave. And you're, you know, the leaders are forced to kind of answer for that, right? Like, okay, you're supposed to, you know, if you're, if you're the leader of the tribe, if you're the shaman or whatever, and I don't know what the equivalent would be in that region of the world but if you're like the chief or whatever you're you're supposed to answer that in some way so that's to you that's those are the gods coming in the gods are coming in they're bringing fresh water they're bringing fresh food they're bringing whatever and then they leave so you're going to start praying for the gods to come back because they have all this advanced stuff all this um you know all this high-end stuff and uh so that that becomes your deity these, these U.S. Marines and U.S. soldiers and sailors that just land on your island uh, are now your deity because you don't, you have no concept of anything else other than that. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. kind of good. If you form some sort of belief system around that, that would, I guess, by definition, be a cargo gold. Yeah. So there. There's my I education wa- for today. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. So the reason why I, I, one of the things that I was thinking about it was. Um, I was watching a documentary because I do that. <laughs> I love watching random documentaries. And I was watching a Walter Herzog. Herzog? Is that right? Walter Herzog? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. So I was watching a Walter Herzog documentary about, uh, I think it's Into the Inferno or something like that. And it's him going, following a, a volcanologist going to different volcanoes. And they go to one on an island in uh, in um, the where is that area called the the islands in the Southeast Asia the Indo Pacific region. Yes. Thank you. I was like, you just sure. said it. I forgot what it's called. And they're talking to the leader of this village who's right on this island with a big volcano, and the leader is talking about. He uh, talks to their god, who is John Frum. And I was like, what is this? As someone who studied religion, I was like, who is John Frum? What is this? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I hearing them right? So I go and like Wikipedia search it, because that's what we all do. Mm-hmm. And like that's my, that was my first ever introduction to cargo cults, was that John Frum is a specific figure who is an american world war ii serviceman mm-hmm. who is god and not only saved them in the past but is returning to save them again right and i was just like fascinated and that's just one specific one adam you gave me a, you gave a lot more broad version of this and there's a lot yeah. of specific ones but it's not just about the creation it's also about the apocalypse and salvation from the apocalypse and mm-hmm. it's an american and right it's weird 
that an American is the hero outside mm-hmm. of a outside of a religion that's not. Uh, uh, excuse me. It's weird that an American is the hero in a religion that isn't started in America. Right. Boy, do we love making ourselves the hero. Well, every so group, I every mean, okay. In our in in America, Americans are the hero, right? Like, right. We all win. We're we're the great guys. We are the saviors. Or right. English, by sometimes the English are allowed. You know, King James only people they allow the English people to be American. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so it's so weird to see that there are other places that sometimes make an American the hero and the god. But I mean, if, okay, from our perspective, yes. But how is what they're doing with John from any different than what Christians did with Jesus or Jews did with oh. Moses or or uh, Muslims yeah. did with Muhammad? It's the exact same thing, right? Yeah, you I develop would... a narrative around this figure. You develop a story around it. You develop a um, a sort of aurora around this person, like that supersedes any anything they've they may have actually accomplished during their time when they were supposedly here on this planet. That narrative completely like exceeds everything they've done. It becomes like uh, it's it's its own living organism. Yeah, it's like. When you hear the name John Frum, you're like, that's a weird name for a religious leader. Like, who would do that? And then you're like, okay, Jesus of Nazareth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jesus if, from Nazareth, obviously. Yeah, Jesus of Nazareth. But that sounds so much more religious, right? But what if we called him uh, like something like he would be like Josh from Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't sound as cool. Then he'd be like, Josh from Indianapolis. I'm hearing all this stuff about Josh from Indianapolis, who uh, was born of a virgin uh, over in, you know, Gary, Indiana. And, um, you know, he has like 12 homeboys that he rides around with. And all he does is like tell people they're cool all the time. And occasionally he'll do surgery on them or something. And, uh, well, I mean, granted, the cops murdered him because he was talking shit to the cops. So you got to murder him, right? So. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. So when you look at it that way, it's like, oh, oh. Religious beginnings, no matter what the religion is, they all look about the same. Mm-hmm. We're trying to, def- as you said, we're trying to define something that we cannot explain. Right. Whenever something more advanced than us or something strange happens, like you say, well, there what was more advanced than the people back in the day, like when they talk about in uh, Ezekiel where he sees the um, the alien spacecraft come down. And they're like, mm-hmm. it was aliens, clearly. Or, or, hear me out, there are so many different things that he could have seen. And one of them could be, you get high, you see a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> And if you've ever read Ezekiel, you got to wonder, like, what is he on? Like, it does seem like if you read the Bible, right. the entire Christian Christian Bible, all 66 or 71 or however many books are in your Christian Bible, or if you just read the, the Tanakh, all 23 or mm-hmm. and you read Ezekiel and you're like, 
this book makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) And it's trying to explain some stuff. Unless you're high. Yeah, and I'm wondering about it. Like, maybe it's not always technology. It's about stuff that you don't. We don't understand physically. We the aurora borealis. Man, I can never pronounce that. The Northern Lights. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, For a long time, that probably seemed like some divine interaction with Earth. And now we're like, no, that's just how light reflects or reflects. How, that's just yeah. how light refracts or something. I actually don't In know that what region of the world. Absolutely. At this time of year, yeah. at this time of day, yeah. located entirely in your kitchen. Sorry. Right. Well, no, I mean, they, you know, I mean, every astronomical body or event has been looked at as some sort of interaction with a god or gods at some point in time. The and, sun, the moon, you know, we have. An entire system of astrology developed around uh, constellations, right? So every yeah. I mean, and now you can explain astrology. Okay, so we are imagining these figures uh, based on these patterns in the skies. So we're drawing these figures ourselves, and we're imagining them. Uh, but this is just how, uh, based on our time and place in the universe and our relationship. Uh, our proximity to these other celestial bodies, this is how um, they appear to us, and we're projecting these images onto them. The entire system of astrology is completely made up in that way. Yeah, and it's like every time we advance in society, it's like the world is flat and the sky is a firmament. And then we learn the world isn't flat. Well, the Mm -hmm. world is the center of the universe. Well, actually, the sun is the center of our universe. our, uh, yeah, our solar system. Well, we are special. We're the center of our galaxy. Well, actually, the black, there's a black hole at the center of our galaxy. We're on the edge okay. of the galaxy. Well, okay, well, well, we're the center of the universe. Well, actually, we're kind of on the edge of the universe, to be honest. Yeah, but, well, we are unique because this is the only place that has life. Well, statistically speaking, a lot of places in the universe should have life. It's highly right. unlikely we're the only place in the universe with life. Yeah. Now, we are not getting into the aliens part of whether or not <laughs> life can interact. We'll get to that in a later point. But we always try to define it. And once we learn more, then we have to restructure our belief system. Right. So because what happens we... when you have a scientific discovery that negates a belief system and the people of that belief system refuse to adopt the scientific discovery? Well, you kill the person who makes the discovery. Right. Copernicus, or, Galileo, I don't know. I don't think they both, they all got killed. I am really bad on this. Again, we so, talked about this is about our, sometimes we bring facts, sometimes we bring opinions, and sometimes we screw up our facts. Right. But they got in trouble with the Catholic Church, I believe, or one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point in the year 2020, uh, there are still elements of religious people in religious backgrounds that uh, refuse to acknowledge that humanity is having some sort of catastrophic effect on the climate or on the ecology of the planet. And that is having an extremely negative impact on the environmental structure of the planet. 
And that also gets into, like, we don't want to change our beliefs if we don't have to. It's only when we have to change our beliefs, will we? And, uh, like, the Catholic Church adopts a heliocentric model now that says Mm. the sun is the center of our solar system. And we just go around the sun and the sun goes around the galaxy, and the galaxy goes around the universe. Um, the only thing we are the center of is the observable universe mm-hmm. from us. And they adopt that now. They didn't a long time ago. Uh, right. The vast majority of people adopt a that this that the Earth is round uh, or spherical, I should say. Um, right. There are people I who think, don't, but I think even the people that don't refuse that fact because it's, it's like a way for them to like get noticed right yeah, it, it's not, also, I, I don't think anyone can seriously reject the fact that the earth is a, is a sphere there are gonna, always going to be some people who are legitimate like don't believe things because they don't trust science so mm-hmm. they type away on their computers about how science is evil and they don't get the humorousness of that but you know that's a, that's, a, that's a quick segue into next week's episode, which is going to be about uh, conspiracy theories. Yes. Right. But, but there are others that are, again, insider, outsider. Flat Earth is a big thing right now because it's such a small group. Like, we are the ones who hold all the knowledge, and y'all all, the rest of you are idiots. Quite a vocal minority there. Yeah. And you've got, like, certain groups in Christianity. We hold all the knowledge. We talk about there being 2.1 billion Christians or 2.2 billion Christians. There's a good chunk of those who believe nobody else is Christian but them. Right. They're sects of the Christian church right. who say that only they're like 30,000 people or 3 million brand. people yeah. are the true Christians and everybody else is outsiders. Or they're yeah. levels of Christianity. So you right. can be the truest Christians, the partial Christians, but it's the insider-outsider thing and – those who reject science and reject things that we learn, they're still the insider because they hold the power. The devil has gotten all of y'all. The devil right. is the scientist. Right. We know we hold the truth that it's still a flat earth, that we're right. still the center of the universe, that the climate is okay. Yeah. And it won't affect us. Because or the climate, the climate change is, is the, the climate change that we're observing at this point is a just part of a natural part of the life cycle and it is yeah. not at all as a result of our overwhelming destruction of the surface of the planet. And, and some of this has to do with where they live. Uh, and like mm-hmm. we can talk about how Christianity is such a great religion and so helpful to the world when you live in middle America where mm-hmm. Christianity does help the world and you don't live in parts of the world where christians are literally killing people mm-hmm. well that's just it right so um yeah it's interesting in nashville or birmingham or anywhere else in the south um christianity is they're very helpful when they choose to be but that's not a universally um applied factor they're helpful if a, B, and C line up. So if you are a homosexual, they're not going to be helpful to you. If you are of this minority, they're not going to be helpful to you. So everything has to line up in order for them to yeah. be helpful. 
Yeah. You have to be, in order to be a part of the in-club, you have to pass the test. Right. And sometimes the tests, you can't It's just who you are. Yeah. Right. Because it's it's not who you are. Right. So, and we can get into their situation. Yeah. Sometimes they'll allow token people in. Well, I mean, there has to be a few let in just to show that we're not complete bigots, right? We have yeah. we have some amount of acceptance tolerance, but I, um, I yeah, now I'm not going to get in that story. Never mind. <laughs> later. Yeah, I have a specific story about the tokenism that I don't want to get into this time. So, um, is religion objectively good or bad for humanity overall? Well, there- you're you're asking a yes or no question. <laughs> uh, I mean, let's elaborate on that, shall we? <laughs> uh, so, elaboration: Is it objectively good or is it objectively bad? Duh. No. Uh, yeah. Oh. When all the cards are laid out, when all of the when when you can observe all of the good that religion has done for humanity, all the hope it's given people, all the um, all the times that there's been somebody who has been on the brink of suicide and they found, you know, some strength from whatever God they believe in to carry on and they carried through and they did something good for the world after that. Uh, if you take all that into consideration and then you take a, and then you calculate in all the uh, war and disease and the perpetuation of hatred um, that religion is responsible for. Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing that we have this this uh, this these systems that it's a we can't have that information we need God to tell us that. <laughs> oh okay. Yeah, okay. but I mean, like, really, but I think religion has done a lot of good. I'll just start with that. We have hospitals because of religion. We have a lot of our education system uh, comes out of religion. Um. Our medical care, as I said, comes out of religious institutions. Uh, Societies of helping out the poor and homeless and giving money to people to make sure they're okay. A lot of this comes from religion. In fact, our knowledge, our history, our knowing of history is because religious people kept these documents. So there's a lot of good that religion has done. Those are the big ones that I'm going to go with this. Healthcare, education, maintaining history, and helping the uh, unfortunate. So, um, a lot of the the philosophy that we had left over from the Greeks, uh, we have because the uh, a lot of Islamic scholars preserved it, and a lot of the mathematics that we have comes from uh, Islamic scholars as well. Also, like some of the oldest colleges, I believe, are Islamic institutions. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the oldest college in the U.S., I believe, is Harvard, which is a Puritan school mm-hmm. by death originally. And, I mean, a lot of colleges around the U.S. in some way started religiously. Um, like the th- three biggest colleges or three of the four biggest colleges in Nashville started from religious intentions. Um, with Vanderbilt being Methodist, Belmont being Baptist, and Lipscomb being Churches of Christ. And I uh, forgot, Trevecca Nazarene is the Nazarene school, and the only one that doesn't fit this is uh, 
TSU, which is a state school. And that just goes to show you, like, just in Nashville, all these colleges that started in the 1800s and mm-hmm. early 1900s are all religious in some fashion, even though they aren't anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, just so that education piece that, which goes into the uh, keeping history is teaching the future generation. So, so important. And we have religion to think about.